welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. All the time, God is good, and it's good uh, to see you this morning. I, last week, I uh, had the honor of visiting. Um, I, I was a guest at uh, TAB. Tab Church here, um, not, not too far from here, they had their pastor's day, and uh, they invited me as a, me, me and Melissa as a, an honorary guest, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, they said, hey, we're going to feed you, and so I said, okay. <laughs> so that's where I was last week, and I want to thank uh, my, my brother Danny for, for bringing a word, amen. Uh, but if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. And we're reading verses 4 through 9. Amen. And when you have it, give me an amen. All right. All right. That was a little trickier. Philippians. All right. Y'all ready for the message this morning? Amen. It says this, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that over this word this morning, my God, that you have spoken to me, Father, and I pray, Father God, that, that everything that leaves my lips this morning be guided by your Holy Spirit, Father God. And I pray that this word falls on fertile ground this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I've entitled today's message, Change the Moments. Someone say that with me this morning. Change the moment. How many of us would love to be able to change the moment, the moment things get tiring? Things get frustrating. Will you get angry? How cool would it be just to think about something and then the next minute that be what we thought? Like, how cool would it be if you could just close your eyes and be like, oh, be skinny, right? <laughs> and then you open your eyes and, and boom, you're, you're, you're skinny. Or, or I, if I could just think about having that degree, right, I won't have to go through the process of actually getting it. That, that would be pretty cool, right? And if you've ever read anything on like the law of attraction. I don't know if you have, but that's pretty much what, what, this, uh, what this idea is. Think about it and it will happen. And unfortunately, church, that's not the way things work. The mind isn't that powerful. That's not the way things work. If it did, I think we'd all live ideal lives in, in a near perfect world, right? But The mind is still very powerful, and that's what I want to talk about just for the next few moments. God created us with the ability to think, amen, and and to make decisions and to obtain knowledge and to increase in knowledge. It doesn't just end after school, right? Increase in knowledge, increase in wisdom, uh, to, to, to plan for the future, 
to, to solve problems, to strategize. I mean, the, the mind is more powerful than any piece of technology that we have today, right? Because behind every piece of technology is what? A powerful mind. And I, the reason I say this is because I, I feel like you need to realize that your ability to think is so powerful. Your ability to think can be dangerous. I'd even say that it's more powerful than the heart. Because the heart has to go through the mind to get what the heart wants, right? Your heart might be the root of your desires, but the mind is where you make the decision. If you think about it, Eve desired to take of the forbidden fruit in her heart, but it was in her mind that it ultimately led her to making that decision. The prophet Jeremiah says that the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's our heart. Sick. The Bible says that the heart, all the, all the heart wants to do is evil. So the desires of your heart are to do evil when we're in the natural. So what do we have to do? We have to set our minds on godly things so that our heart doesn't do all the talking. Right? Today's message is a little bit different. I, I, I like to... You know, tech, usually I like to pull a story and then uh, it, it, it's a, you know, I like to dissect it. This is more of a, of a teaching this morning. This is gonna, it's a different little style of my, of my message. But I want you to be with me this morning because I, I want to ask you a simple question. Where is your mind at? Where is your mind at? Because I know where your heart is. Your heart, your heart wants to stay in bed every morning, right? Because that, that pillow is comfortable, that that, 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 that bed is comfortable. You got the AC turned down just to that perfect amount of cold, right? 70 degrees in my house with the fan blowing. The heart wants to stay in bed. The heart doesn't want to get up in the morning. Your heart wants that other slice of pizza. Your heart, your heart uh, wants to go shopping and spend all the money because you just got this refund check and you think you're balling out of control. That's what the heart wants. There's really no hope in the heart. So where are you setting your mind? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. To rejoice requires action. And action is only acted upon when the mind makes the decision to act upon it. Right? So how many times have we read this in the scriptures? Rejoice in the Lord and not practiced it. Where in a moment things aren't going the way that you would like for them to go. In a moment where the majority of people are complaining and are getting angry and crying. And they're calling customer service numbers. We should be rejoicing. But when we fail, church, to place our minds on the goodness of God. Even in the hopelessness of our situation. We fail to rejoice because our hearts don't naturally want to. So where are you placing your mind. What if I told you, church, that you can change a moment if you could change your mind? You can change your moment if you could just get out of the mindset that has been crippling you for such a long time. Paul talks about this. He talks about the transformation of your mind. He says, by the renewing of your what? Of your mind. Not your bank account. Not not, not your experience or, or that new fancy degree, not that keto diet, not your network of people that you know. It's by the renewing of your mind. Are you with me this morning? I'm hot. Oh, gosh. 
Help me out. All right. Thank you, brother. I probably have sweat under here. Amen. It's hot. Goodness. Or is it just the Holy Spirit? I don't know. But where's your mind at this morning, church? That's the question that I just want you to focus on. Uh, I was thinking, you know, two, a couple years ago, uh, there, there, was a, there was a big update on, on iOS devices, I don't know, you probably remember, um, called Screen Time. I don't know if you, you use Screen Time, but, but uh, you know, it, where every week the iPhone sends you uh, reports about how much time you spent on your phone every, every, every given week. I don't know if you've used that, but that feature was a game changer for me. When I got my first report of screen time, I was shocked. I was stunned. I could not believe it. It was like the time when I realized how much money we were spending on, on restaurants every month. Like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. was so eye-opening to see how much time I let this tiny device suck from my life. And the thing is, like, you don't feel it. You don't feel it, right? Like, you, you check your phone throughout the day. You don't even realizing that it's adding to this, this, this ginormous number, right? Like three time, three minutes here, two minutes here. I read a survey that came out uh, this year that said the average American spends five hours a day on their phone. Can you believe that? Yeah. Five hours a day. I, I, could, I could see that. But like when you're aware of it, it's like, man, when do we work? You know, like. When do we get anything done? Five hours a day, that, that's crazy. What, what I particularly appreciated from this uh, feature is that it tells you the time spent on your phone by, by, by app. So like two hours a week on Facebook, two hours on Instagram, Snapchat, uh, checking mail, Pinterest, ladies, right? Uh, 15 hours a day, uh, <laughs> right? So like, and, and then it places all of those apps in certain categories so that you can see how much time you're spending on social media, on productivity, on checking mail, sending messages. It was one of the most eye-opening things when I first got my report. I felt convicted. No lie. Because it was on a Sunday morning, so I, I felt even more convicted. Like, God, I'm so sorry. And I made a commitment to myself to not spend as much time on my phone. That Sunday morning, I remember, I was like, God, I'm not, I'm not going to spend this much time Next week. Next week, I got the, the report again. My numbers went up. <laughs> like, I had spent more time on my phone. And eventually, it started to go down a little bit. But like, you know, we don't, we don't get, I, I'm, not, I'm not preaching right now. We don't know the long-term effects of smartphones. Because they're kind of like a fairly recent technology, right? Like, we don't know what it's going to do to us socially, long-term. We don't, you know, we know that it's taking away productivity. It distracts us. We know that it takes us away from very important things like, like family. So all this to say, I was very appreciative when, when this new feature came out because now at least I can be aware of where I'm spending my time. But then I had this thought. What if there was screen time for the mind? We could call it mind time. Where every week we'd receive a report telling us how much time we're spending thinking about certain things. So maybe you wake up every morning, you drive an hour to work, and, and, and you hate it because you're, you spend an hour in traffic, 
and all you're doing is thinking about how much you hate traffic and how much you hate having to go to work. And you do that every single day. So that's at least five hours a week you spend thinking about how bitter some aspect of your life is. What, what if you discovered that you spent 20 hours a week thinking about the things that you could not control? Thoughts of worry, thoughts of doubt, thoughts of anxiety, thoughts about, well, what if this, what if that? Thoughts about fear. What if you discover that the only time you spend thinking about the goodness of God is that hour and a half that you spend at church on Sundays? That might explain a lot if we got a report like that. Because maybe you're always frustrated and you don't know why you're frustrated. But maybe it's because you're always thinking about how jealous you are of what other people have that you don't. And you're thinking that, that you wish that you could have what others have and, and, and why life is so unfair. And, and, and what, if, what if you spend time being afraid all the time because all you're doing is thinking about the risks? What if I'm negative all the time because I consume my mind with negative thoughts? And so the reason that I can't rejoice in the Lord always is because to rejoice in the Lord means that my mind is drawn to God's goodness always. But because it's only drawn to God's goodness, sometimes I only sometimes rejoice. And the reason that my mind isn't always drawn to the things of God is because I'm always distracted. I'm always thinking about the things that I'm worried about. I'm always thinking about the things that I can't control and my frustrations and my anger and my impatience and my priorities. And, and when my moment calls for anger, I get angry. And when my moment calls for something drastic, I become desperate. And when it calls for uncertainty, I become impatient and anxious. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us only rejoice in the Lord when that praise song drops. Your body spends a few hours a week in church, but where is your mind 24-7? It takes discipline to think about the things of God, church. Let's, let's be real. Let's be honest with ourselves. It takes discipline. It takes some self-control of the mind to put your mind on godly things. It takes a little bit of faith and a little bit of trust to get to that peace that Paul says surpasses all understanding. I, man, I love that verse. Verse 7 again, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Imagine having peace that you couldn't understand. Like, like you might look at yourself and be like, what's wrong with me? Like, do I not care when bad things happen? Am I numb to, to things that hurt me? Like, what is it? Like, I don't understand how I can have this peace. And there was a passage that, that, that came to mind when I, when I read this verse. It's found in Mark, quick story, Mark uh, 4, 37 through 31. It says, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, ter terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That question that, that the disciples asked Jesus 
it, it sounds a lot like a very similar question that we often ask God. Do you not care if we drown? Do you not care that she's sick and that she's in pain? Do you not care? Do you not care that I'm living paycheck to paycheck, barely being able to pay my bills because I'm doing what you called me to do? Do you not care? Do you not care about the things that I'm going through? See, questions like that put the mind on what the moment is instead of who God is, right? When, Le- when Layla was born, <clears throat> man, I remember I fell completely in love with Layla. Like the moment she came out, I was like, man, she looks exactly like me. So it made me love her more. I, I don't know. It was, it was just this weird feeling. And I, I, I mean, she became, she became my, my everything in this physical life. Like she became my world. And I remember two months into her life, she got sick. And not, not like sick, sick. Like I, I feel for the parents who, who really have to um, suffer with their children who are going through major illnesses. I mean, I, I admire the Perez family for what they went through and what God took them out of, right? Layla had like a cold. <laughs> she had like a cold and, and she had a stuffy nose and she was coughing all night. But I felt sorry for her because she was hopeless and like helpless and she didn't, she didn't feel well. And her, bro- her, her cold, it broke my heart. And I remember talking to God because she had this cold for a couple of weeks and I prayed and I said, God, just take it away from her. Like, how hard can that be? <laughs> this, is a, this is a cold. You're, you're the creator of the universe. This should take you like a second. Why, like, why can't you just do it? And then I started reasoning with God. And you, you know how you pray sometimes? You try to reason with God. Like, God, I'm your child. She is your child. I've been faithful to you. Like, I, I live a righteous lifestyle. Like, I am the perfect candidate for an answered prayer. Why won't you just do it? Why? And I remember praying pretty aggressively with God, just saying, God, just do it. Like, you have the power, and she's powerless. Just, just do it. Why are you making me beg? Don't you see what's happening? Don't you see that she can't breathe at night? Don't you see that she can't sleep? Don't you see that she's coughing? Don't you see that she has a fever? I wonder how many times God answers back, yeah, I can see it. Like when you ask him, God, don't you see what's going on here? Yeah, I can see it. I can see the moment. I can see the moment better than you can see the moment. I can see what led you to the moment. I can see what's going to take you out of the moment. I can even see your next moment. I see all moments. But we don't place our minds on that fact. We place our minds on the moment. And so the disciples here in this passage, they're they're in fear of their life because this this rogue wave had just struck the boat where the disciples are. And now uh, they're they're thinking that they're about to lose their life. And and there's chaos everywhere on the boat. I can just imagine everyone kind of screaming and and they're thinking that the boat is going to sink and and they're going to die at sea. And so they go down to Jesus and they find him sleeping. How are you sleeping? How are you sleeping in the midst of chaos? If you're sleeping when everyone else around you is suffering, like that's obviously a sign that you just don't care. The fact that you can have peace when everyone else has chaos, like that's kind of, like that's kind of 
but the, like you're a lunatic. That you're so peace, like only crazy people are so peaceful when everything around, everyone else is screaming and running around in fear of their life and they, they don't know what's going on. Only a crazy person stands in the middle and be like, yeah, it's all good. But they found Jesus sleeping. Maybe it's because Jesus doesn't worry about the moment like everyone else does. Because Jesus knows what the moment looks like. He knows what's happening. He knows that there might be a storm in your life that needs to be calmed, but he's not worried about it like we are. He's got peace even through it. And, and that's what we're talking about, having peace that surpasses all understanding because when you set your mind on who God is and, and what God has done and what God can do, the moment that you're in becomes so small. When you say things like, you know what, I'm going to stop dwelling on my insecurities. I'm going to stop I'm, because God made me a certain kind of way. I'm going to focus on who he called me to be. Um, worry is not going to exude from my life, e even though my world is falling apart, my marriage is messed up, my kids don't like me, I'm, I'm failing at work, I'm failing in life. I'm not going to worry because I have trusted in the Lord and I know that he is thinking about me. And because of that, I will have peace. When you have that in your life, when you take that mentality and you shift the moment, people are going to begin to ask you, are you okay? Like, how is it that you're so okay? How is it that you can rejoice when you have every reason to weep? I don't understand your peace, but I want it. And then Paul gives us the formula right there. It's in verse 8. Let's read it. I think, I think this is like a passage here that everyone should like have memorized. Like Philippians 4, 8, and 9. That's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful passage of scripture to live by. Hang it up in your house. Take down that live, love, laugh stuff. You don't need that. Put this up here. It says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Set your mind on, on these things, church. And, and, and the word says that this is a promise. You will have peace beyond all understanding. And that will change your moment. That will change your moment. Maybe not physically. Maybe it's not going to transport you into a different moment. But where you would usually see a setback, now all of a sudden you're going to start to see as an opportunity. And, and what you would normally see as, as a flaw that's been weighing you down, now you're going to begin to see a challenge that you just simply need to overcome. And where you would normally see weakness and talk negatively about yourself, how you're not good enough, now you're going to start to depend on the, on the strength of the Lord. Because you're changing your mindset and it's going to change your moment. Because it's going to bring you peace, hope, and action. Some of us just need to change our mindsets to change the moment. And we need to learn how to rejoice. Do you rejoice, church? Yeah. Do you rejoice? Is, is that the first thing that comes out of your mouth when something terrible happens? Praise God. 
Praise God. Because that's what it means to rejoice always. Not sometimes, but always. And that's one of the hardest things to do, but it, but it takes just a shift of mindset. I want to pick apart this, this, this part really quick here. This is so important. This was written with intention, okay? When you read the text of Scripture, don't just read it just to read it. Read it to understand it, okay? He says, whatever is true, what does that mean? Whatever is true. That means that any lie that comes into your mind has to be overcome. Any lie. Because the enemy will throw lies at you that, will, that are meant to distract you and to make you second-guess yourself and to quit and to have lower self-esteem or to quit or, or to convince you that everything is okay and, and you can just live your life with complacency. We have to know the lies and then take our minds off of them. Focus on the truth. On the truth. He says, what is honorable? In the Greek, uh, the definition means anything that is worthy of veneration. So respectable. What is the opposite of, of honorable? Dishonorable. Things that, that dishonorable, uh, th- things that dishonor God. Things that don't bring him glory. Don't think about those things. Think about the things that, that bring God glory. He says, whatever is just, meaning whatever is correct, whatever is righteous. Whatever is pure, meaning holy. Don't dwell on the things that are impure because then you will act out in impurity. Whatever is lovely means pleasing and agreeable to God. Whatever is commendable, this is a good one. Because commendable means of good repute, good reputation. Don't dwell on junk. Don't, don't be swayed by, by people who have a bad reputation or people who have no reputation. Think about what is commendable. Think about what is excellent and anything that is worthy of praise. Anyone in here have reason to praise God? We always have reason to praise God, whether it be your health, your family, your salvation. There are reasons to give God praise. Think about these things and you will change your moment. Change your mind. Change your moment. The mind is so powerful. It'll try to defeat you before you even try. Because thoughts of negativity will prevail. Thoughts of lies, fear, doubt. And it will cripple you to the point where your moment becomes your life. And this morning, church, I have a simple challenge to you. To to set your mind a little bit differently. Tomorrow morning is Monday. National Hate Day. No one likes Mondays. But how will you change your mind to say, you know what? I'm going to focus on the things of God. I'm going to focus on God. When things happen in my life that that I don't understand, I, I am committed to having a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because I want to have power over my reality. I want to have power over my moment. And it takes just a shift in the way that we think. Be renewed by the transformation of your mind, church. Change the moment. Change the moment. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning. Change the moment. You can change the moment. You can change your perspective. You can change 
the way that you move forward. I was talking to someone yesterday and we were talking about pasts and how sometimes the past kind of hinders us from, from moving forward. And that's so true because some things that maybe you've done in the past or, or maybe you didn't do in the past, it, it kind of weighs on you. Like if I would have just done this differently, if I would have just said the right thing, if I would have just been at the right place, if I wouldn't have done that, if I wouldn't have went into debt, if I wouldn't have taken that job, if I wouldn't have quit that job, if I wouldn't have done that. And, and, and what we do is we allow our mind to think that the, that the past has power over the future. When that's not the case. Your past doesn't dictate your future. Your present dictates the future. What you do today will determine where you are tomorrow. So stop focusing on the past. Stop putting your mind on the things that went wrong in your life and and, and shift the mind to shift the moment. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.